This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. We're here to help you grow wealth with crypto. So glad you've joined us. I'm Brandon, and as always, I'm joined by the man who is the father of some new dog coins. Uh, Justin, how are the puppies doing two days in? Woof, woof. They are, uh, I think I have like doubled my money and then lost 90% of it twice now in like two days. So it's a while, it's been a wild ride for sure. It sounds like even Stevens to me, but fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, in today's episode, we are actually kicking off a new series. So we're starting a podcast at a very interesting time at uh, what looks like the middle or towards the end of a bull cycle, which is an interesting time to talk, start a podcast, right? So we're starting a new series called Find My Crypto, Your GPS for Navigating the Bitcoin Cycle. Uh, we're also answering the question today in the episode, where is the biggest opportunity in crypto? And a little teaser, the answer might surprise you. So stay tuned for that. We'll cover that in uh, detail later. Justin, in our last episode, we introduced uh, our core four principles uh, for the Blazing Crypto uh, channel. And, and really, they help us understand how to grow wealth in the crypto market. Because crypto is unique, we have to really understand what we're dealing with before we can really know how to engage, You know, what's our, what's our role in all this, and where is our opportunity. And so just a brief overview of what those were. Uh, we talked about four things, honor the king and queen. Again, that's really understanding the role of Bitcoin as king, Ethereum as queen in the overall market and how much they really do dominate the space. So even as things change, in some ways, the more they stay the same. Secondly, understanding the four-year Bitcoin cycle, uh, which is basically being able to plot yourself at any given time, sort of a, a where am I on the map. That's what today is all about. Third, DCA is your best friend. Uh, stands for dollar cost averaging. And really the big idea is it's not an all-in or all-out scenario. Uh, you can scale in from an investing standpoint, and you can also just as easily scale out little bits at a time. And then fourth, protect the asset. Don't lose it. Don't have it hacked. Don't have it stolen. Don't forget your password. Write down your seed phrase. Uh, we'll cover all of that as well in this series. Uh, but again, today we're kicking off a brief series on the podcast about core four item number two, which is understanding the Bitcoin cycle. So this, this four-year, roughly four-year cycle has been a pillar to understanding how the market works overall. And like any other market, you've got a bear market and a bull market. Uh, but Bitcoin has been distinct from other markets in two ways, at least two ways. In one sense, it's, it's predictability, uh, Justin, but also what we've talked about, about the parabolic nature of the asset. Yeah, so I think just starting with the predictability side of it there, um, one of the, I guess, the big reasons that historically a f like a four-year cycle has worked with, with Bitcoin and really understanding price movement um, is because the industry has been smaller um, and therefore the miners, the Bitcoin miners, have more of an impact on uh, basically fluctuating the demand for Bitcoin. So I guess the, the predictable nature of Bitcoin comes from the fact that we know how many coins there are. Like, and no one person can change that. that that's, that is fixed. 
Um, we know how many Bitcoins will be minted or created, mined next year uh, and the year after that and the year after that. So if supply is fixed and it's something that we can predict, um, we can also uh, sort of predict uh, when miners basically are, are needing to sell off their Bitcoin. So that's where this event calls the Bitcoin halving comes into play. I don't know, like people may have heard that term before, but usually it's uh, if, if you've been doing some digging on Bitcoin already and you've probably maybe heard something about the halving event. So every four years, um, the reward, the block reward that goes to the miners for mining the Bitcoin gets cut in half. Now, it's still just as difficult for them to actually do the mining, um, but now they're getting paid half as much for, for that. So what happens is basically Bitcoin has this, um, it's like the self-managed system that basically weeds out inefficient miners, um, whether that's miners coming from, you know, inefficient hardware or, or um, just there's a number of factors that can go into there. But it's always making it so the miners are becoming more efficient, um, faster, cleaner, cheaper, all that stuff. So basically, historically, every four years, the miners start selling off their Bitcoin at about the same time uh, to pay for those fixed expenses. Because now they have their revenue cut in half and they've got to pay for all this overhead, all of this electricity, um, the storage and all that stuff. So what happens is now the supply is fixed, like I said, now the miners are dumping uh, and it creates a massive sell-off event that usually triggers the bear market. So when we talked about predictability within a bull cycle and a bear cycle, that's four years. It's usually like two and a half, two years of bear and two and a half, two years of bull. So right now we talked about having a GPS, like we are approaching the top of the, the bull market. Like eventually pretty soon miners are going to start selling off their Bitcoin um, and other people as well, traders like you and me. I mean, you know, we're planning to sell at some point. Um, but that's kind of the overview of the predictable nature of it. Did you have? As you know, I prefer investor, not trader. But yeah, I, this is true. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Good, very good. We're to clarify there. I, I, that's funny. That comes up a lot. So, I'm sorry if you're if you're if you're buying something and you're holding on to it for four years and then you sell it. I've I'm seeing that as an investment. I understand that's a trade, um, and like what is, what is considered short long term in crypto is considered short term everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I have my you know my money that you know I'm holding Ethereum, right? Like, I want to sit on that long term, and I also, like I said, woof woof. Like, I bought a I I bought a coin a few days ago called Woof, and I want Woof to do well, uh, but that's like a very small percentage of what I have, and. That's that's like my fun money, if you if that makes sense. So, obviously, I wanted that to do well too, though. Awesome. So we talked about predictability, and uh, normally people like us wouldn't necessarily care what people like Bitcoin miners were doing. That seems kind right. of uh, technical and IT ish, but because it has such a factor on how the cycle works, mm -hmm. we are interested. So, talk. Uh, secondly, talk to us about the parabolic nature of Bitcoin. Yeah. So, any. Um, if you look at a lot of not just Bitcoin or crypto, any technology related stocks, um, Facebook is a, a good example. Amazon, um, a lot of the companies that made it out of the big tech boom, you know, around what was that, 98 to 2000 or, or so they. So when you have explosive growth, 
the way that happens is through waves, right? And those waves of growth and then correction and then another wave of growth, that's called parabolic, right? So um, uh, another way to look at that is like what I like to tell people, Bitcoin, so over the last 18 months, Bitcoin has been I should I I can say slowly climbing I guess like from whatever from <laughs> I, it kind of sounds stupid it's been slowly climbing from four thousand dollars and it got up to I think sixty nine this week sixty eight something Correct, yeah. and along that eighteen month time frame a lot of people have started watching it maybe they buy with a hundred dollars right because they're like okay I want to take this thing serious I want to learn a little bit and they'll buy and they'll watch and. What happens is over that time frame, a lot more people start to watch, and then a lot of the people that are watching start to buy in heavier as this thing picks up momentum because now they're starting to believe in it more. Um, a lot of the market's belief is tied to the price action, which that's I would say that uh, you could say that's unfortunate, but that actually creates a lot of opportunity, and we'll get into that. Um, but the main point there is over that 18 months, well, now everyone that was buying with $100, let's say a year and a half ago, now they're like, they're putting $100 a week in because they're like, okay, this thing, this thing is for real. I'm taking it more seriously. And basically as the bull market progresses, that, that whole um, emotional side of it, or not emotional, but like that human nature side of it starts to really compound and add up. Um, so like one of the big things, there's a few factors I would say that contribute to this parabolic nature. One is leverage. So as as more money gets put into crypto, people are using those assets to borrow and buy more as well. So it's like the more that goes in, the more they can use to even compound that and make it go higher and higher. So that's a part of it. Um, but I mean, then you just have, um, you know, you've got a lot of people that they're, they're coming into crypto from Doge or from SHIB, uh, and they're going to see those assets do well. Maybe, hopefully, they make a little money. Hopefully, you're not losing money on that stuff. Um, and they're going to be like, okay, that was fun. Doge was cool. What do we do next? Oh, well, what do you know? SHIB, just <laughs> another dog coin just went really crazy. Um, and people had a lot of fun buying it. So they're getting exposure to crypto through silly memes like that. And the next thing you know, okay, they're buying Bitcoin, they're buying Ethereum. And that power of that like social media aspect of it, the power of a meme, it's viral, it's parabolic in nature. And so like that, even the way people enter crypto, I think from that side, it really reflects, reflects in the numbers. And I do want to, I want to do want a caveat here. When we talk about the greatest opportunity in, in, in crypto, we are not talking about dog money, but yeah, we, uh, well, you know, hey, it's, I, it's a topic for another day. Are we, aren't we? I don't know. Maybe we should have a separate episode where we only talk about the role of dog money in yeah. crypto, which would be, it's actually very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. One thing I wanted to note there is, and this has been talked about all over the place, but you know, Bitcoin and crypto in general, but Bitcoin specifically, I mean, we're talking about the fastest wave of technological growth and adoption in the history of the world. And I know that sounds maybe like an exaggeration, but sort of inherent in technology is that each new technological wave happens faster than the one before it, right? So when, when people ask me sort of a general, general question, kind of macro question, like why, like why should I even care about Bitcoin? Like why should I... 
why should I perk my ears up and listen and, and try to even understand the space? A lot of times what I will talk about is the fact that, that, that users are being added to the network at just such a rapid rate that we've never seen before. We've seen things obviously like it, but not to this degree, not this quickly. I forget the number now, but I think that um, there was some stat like, uh, which is easy to find on the internet and, and correct me here, but like, you know, that, that, that crypto is growing something like, I don't know, it's at least twice as fast as the internet was growing, but I think it's actually faster than that. Yeah. And next time I'll look this data before, before mentioning it. But the point is the adoption curve is so fast and steep. You would only expect that the price action would be volatile and yep. it would be parabolic. Yep. Yeah. And like, um, one more, I guess, like note on the parabolic nature, I, I think it'd be helpful to like put specific numbers to it. It's like what, what has that looked like in 2013, 2017, typically, you know, Bitcoin is, is, is like I said earlier, kind of in a humorous way, slowly going up right from 4,000 to 60,000. Um, well, you know, it, it has done that and it, it goes on a really good stretch run and then it corrected even during the summer, Bitcoin dropped like 50 something percent. And it was down there for a number of months. Well, towards the end of each market cycle, it's not slowly climbing. Like Bitcoin will go, you know, four to five X in the final like five or six weeks. So, um, and, and like that's when we, we oftentimes call that like a blow off top. That thing is just skyrocketing and there's nothing that can slow it down. Um, so from a price standpoint, okay, how do we know when we're near the, the end of the bull market? Okay, has Bitcoin gone four or five X in the last, you know, five or six weeks? Well, if the answer is no, then like, okay, well, historically, it seems like there's still some room left here. But yeah, like if, if we're, if Bitcoin's up four or five X in five or six weeks, yeah, it's time to take some profits off the table at that point. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to sell my Bitcoin to someone after it has just gone up four or five X. That's great. Yeah, the set I was trying to reference here is that, and this is from February actually, so it obviously would have increased now, but Bitcoin has roughly the same number of users now or in February of this year as, as the, all of the internet had in 2005. Yeah, it's crazy. So we talk about being early. That's, yep. that's exactly what we, what we mean. The growth has been explosive, just like the internet, but to a greater, even a greater degree. Yep. So Justin, in talking about this four-year cycle, in one sense it would make all the sense in the world to talk about the upcoming bull cycle top, which you just alluded to. Like, why wouldn't we dig right into that and really, you know, make a big deal out of that? And we will. Um, but we're actually going to start this series by talking about the opportunity that follows the bull market top. So Justin, you know, something that you said for years is that the biggest opportunity in crypto is actually in the bear market. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a very, uh, it sort of lands very oddly, but tell, start off by telling people what you even mean by that. Yeah. So like, I guess I'd start off by asking a question, like who, you know, of, of the people, you know, who are in crypto, or if you don't know anybody, you can still answer the question, who is capitalizing on this bull market? Okay. Is it the people that decided to buy doge at 25 cents, hoping it would go to a dollar? Um, is it the people that bought SHIB after it went, you know, 5X or 10X or 20X? I think that's gone up like 50X, but anyway. No, like, 
the other option is it are you know is it the people that were buying Bitcoin at three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollars over the last few years? The answer is most obviously the people that have been buying it. So I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Is like okay, the opportunity in crypto is not through chasing Doge and Shib, even though that's fun. Woof woof. I want woof to do well. Um, like the real opportunity is by capitalizing on the bull market when everyone is just down on Bitcoin saying, oh, it finally popped. The bubble popped. It's going to zero. This stuff is speculative. It's worthless. Um, and when Bitcoin is down 70%, like buying in that moment is the most powerful move you can make. Um, not even just buying in that moment, but buying during that year because that window is huge and if you're dcaing you know dollar cost averaging in every week when bitcoin's below ten thousand dollars yeah like it's it's not fun down there i'll tell you that like that is not fun but if you have the conviction to stick with it and you're buying slowly during that bear market you are going to come out on the other side of that when bitcoin is at sixty thousand dollars or wherever it is and you're like oh yeah i bought when it was you know 10x ago um and that that's a spot where you're really capitalizing on crypto so that's good yeah it's uh it's definitely the most rewarding and like you alluded to it's probably also the most difficult mm -hmm. oh yeah and that's one of the things we've talked about is you know a lot of times in just human psychology you know when does everybody want to buy an asset or when does everybody actually buy an asset and it's really when it's only green lights yep. right Yep. When it's only green lights and your barber is talking about, you know, an asset like that, that basically that's more of a signal that we're at the end. And, and actually, to put it in a way that, you know, we've talked about before, that's actually the spot of greatest risk. Right. And so we're actually talking about today the spot of the greatest yep. um, opportunity. So you mentioned one thing that that the cycle top on Bitcoin is is a lot sort of shorter, mm -hmm. it's sharper, but the bottom in the bear market is actually a lot longer and flatter. Yeah. Expound on that a little more and specifically like why is that significant for someone like me, you, our listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, there is yeah, typically typically the the bear markets are have a more rounded bottom versus the top of the bull markets are more like a a really fast peak and you get one little, you know, what seems like one little window to sell. You definitely have more time to act during the bear market, which is good. Um, the, and I just forgot what you asked actually, sorry, the, um, oh yeah, the nature of, of the bottom. So like there was a few moments there where Bitcoin like completely like just crapped the bed. Uh, March 20, what was it? March like 16th, 2020, uh, COVID hit. And I remember it was a Sunday evening and like the pre-markets on, on, on Wall Street for like Monday were already tanking. It was, it was really bad scenario. Uh, president was going to come out and like say something. It was like, it seemed like all the markets were just going to go straight to zero. That triggered a sell-off where it spiked down really hard and you had, you know, a few weeks to buy down there, but it pretty much came back pretty quickly. Um, that's not what I mentioned by like, oh, buying the bottom of the bear market. If you can catch that moment and buy, that's that's huge opportunity. Don't get me wrong. But it's more like, okay, Bitcoin was under 10,000 
for like a solid year straight. That year under 10,000, it doesn't matter where you're buying. Like just every time you see, you know, a Bitcoin say, okay, every time it goes below 6,000, I'm going to buy some here, you know, and, and you just, like I said, slowly accumulate. You have plenty of time to do that um, versus, you know, at the top, you need to have more of a, a strict plan that you're ready to act quickly on because um, the, the timing is just a little bit different. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we've talked about this, that, you know, they say in, uh, in, in poker, you know, you're not playing your hand, you're really playing your opponent. Yep. And it's really more about understanding yourself and who you're playing against, not necessarily just the cards and the odds and the probability and all that. And, and I think in, in investment, investment and trading psychology, what we find is as much as it, it, it involves understanding the asset and the fundamentals and the technicals and all those things, it's honestly as much about understanding ourselves, yep. um, how we manage risk, how we make decisions, how much information we require before we sort of pull the trigger, um, how much stress we can manage. Um, because frankly, you know, in a bear market, what makes it a bear market in crypto is everyone leaves yeah. uh you know people that 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 are uh, heavy into crypto twitter i mean they're gaining hundreds and thousands of followers a day in the peak of the bull market we've seen those stats but in the bear market it's almost like they're talking to nobody right and yep. so in one sense the time in which bitcoin is least interesting to us is actually the time in which it is most advantageous to us to be paying yep. attention and that's why like you said we talk about dca because we really take the what's it going to do next out of the equation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about this before, but when I first jumped into Bitcoin, um, we were doing this thing in the summer of 18 where we were bouncing off this $6,000 uh, level as support. And I think we bounced off of it three, four, five times. And so, you know, we, we've talked about before, I was at the beach, I had an alarm set that every time Bitcoin went below 6K, I wanted to know, right? And I would, I mean, I was buying very small amounts, right? Just sort of dipping my toe in the water. Um, and then, I mean, I bought a few times at, at 6K or 59.50. And then I remember towards the end of the summer, you know, I can just see the chart in my head. We cracked, we, we, I mean, it just literally fell off a cliff all the way to 3,800. And if you're really looking tight, you're like, oh, my goodness, Like you just lost, you know, a massive chunk. Uh, and it's like, yes, let's zoom out. Right. Oh, to have the opportunity to buy Bitcoin at six thousand dollars. You know, so yeah. it, it really is about having that's why we talk about that four year perspective. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Justin, you get this all the time and I do, too. People that know that we're into all this and whatever, they'll say, how's Bitcoin doing? <laughs> and it's like, well, what time frame are we talking about, right? Are we talking about, you know, 100,000% growth since 2010? Or are we talking about the five-minute chart since yesterday, right? Yeah. Those are very different oh, perspectives. Yeah. Definitely. I, one thing to, like, finalize on this, too, I think, like, if I had to define, like, what is opportunity in crypto, it's doing the opposite of what everyone is doing. Okay, so... There will be a time when it seems like everyone on your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed or whatever you're at, Twitter, everyone is buying Bitcoin and it's just going crazy and everyone's getting rich quick and everyone's like getting rich together, right? Like that is the time to start selling. And when it looks like there's just 
blood in the water, it's going to go to zero. No one seems to want it. It seems dead. That is the time to be buying. If you can do that, oh, I mean, this, the sky is the limit, right? But it, it is a lot easier to talk about it like this on a podcast <laughs> than exactly. it is to actually like have the conviction to buy Bitcoin in the middle of a pandemic when everything looks like it's just going to go down, you know, down the toilet. Yeah. And that's why we make such a big deal on here and to, you know, people we talk to about really understanding the, the asset, the role we think it plays in the future and actually developing one of our keywords is developing conviction about what's going on. Because in one sense, from our perspective, if Bitcoin, when Bitcoin dropped from 64 K in May to 30 K in June, we didn't think any less of the asset. The asset is still as valuable. It just happened to be that the market. So when the market actually, you know, does a 50% sell off for us, we're like, man, you know, legit stuff's on sale. Yep. So yeah, really developing a, a, an understanding and developing conviction around what you want to, or don't want to invest in. Yep. Good. So, uh, quickly here as we as we get toward a close on this topic, um, sort of wanting to know Justin how we think about the rest of the bull market because obviously we're not saying there's no opportunity in the rest of the bull market. It's just that our our thinking and how our, how we're sort of oriented is a little bit different. Um, we we kind of had this joke, but it wasn't a joke really. When a friend of ours uh, said, "Hey, like I've got this pile of money." Uh, is now a good time to buy. And both of us kind of looked at each other uh, over text and said, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, and I think it caught him by surprise, or at least we weren't like all in positive. Yes, now's the time to invest. Yeah. So, you know, for people that are just trying to process this, and again, not financial advice, uh, please do your own research. I have a financial advisor that you talk to and make your make your own decisions here. But we're trying to give sort of analysis information on the kind of macro what's going on in the market. So where do you, you know, we got a series of in ahead of us, right? But in, in this bull market, we, at least on our side, are expecting some kind of cycle top in three to six months, uh, assuming things continue to go the way they're going. Based on everything we've talked about in this episode of understanding the four-year cycle and acting accordingly, how do you think people should be thinking about the next three to six months? It's a good question. It's really hard to, it, first of all, it's really hard for me to answer this because, um, it's, it's, well, That's I should why say, I asked it. yeah, it's really easy for me to answer it in one sense. Like I can easily put together a plan to say, Oh, okay. I'm going to sell this much here, here, and here. And voila, you know, six months later, we're out of the market and we have profits. Um, it's another thing for someone that does not have nearly as much conviction in Bitcoin um, and their entry price maybe isn't as good. Maybe they bought Bitcoin at 50000 So like they bought it when it was already much more expensive. So it's harder for people, depending on where they're coming from, to really execute the plan. Putting together the plan is easy. So I would say first you have to have a plan. Um, if you don't have a plan going into this final few stages – like this final stage, I should say, of the bull market, um, you need to have something put together. So we'll get to the plan in a second. But like another big thing to avoid is over trading. So um, especially as we end the bull market, the volatility that you think you know about Bitcoin is about to get like 
even crazier, right? Like you're talking about a 30% sell-off in a single day and then a full recovery within the next four days after that. You know, like it is as the bull market continues and it goes parabolic, the volatility just gets even harder. So if you're monitoring the price of Bitcoin every day, that can be um, emotionally challenging uh, depending on how much money you have in there. So, and how yeah. many how many children you have, yeah. right? But the whole point there, yeah, it's true. the The whole point there is over trading. It's really easy to fall into this because people they'll they'll pick an asset and they'll say, okay, I'm going to buy Ethereum here, and then what happens? Ethereum just kind of stays the same, and like all the dog point, all the dog uh, coins are pumping, or Bitcoin is like raging, and Ethereum's just kind of sitting here. Like, what in the world? So people are constantly like chasing pumps and over trading. And what happens is they'll be in the market that has been, you know, three or four Xing over a two month time frame, and they'll be up like 20%. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the market goes three or four X and you're up 20%, you know, that's a big red flag. Like I'm doing something wrong. I need to kind of like think about this a different way. So over trading can kind of protect you from that or sorry, refusing to over trade can protect you. <laughs> So, uh, the other part was having a plan. So what I have tried to tell people to do is you don't want to be all in or all out of Bitcoin, right? You want to try to create a plan where just like we dollar cost averaged in on the bear market, you want to be selling off in stages at the top of the bull market. And there's, there's a few reasons why that's really important. One is at the top, at the very, very, very top, like the tip top, all of the exchanges will go down, you will not be able to access your Bitcoin or your Ethereum to sell. And you'll be watching the price go up, you know, 40% and then hammering it down another 20% in like a 24 hour time period. And you're not gonna be able to log on to Coinbase. Like, it's going to go down, you don't know when it's going to go down, but they're going to be overloaded with so many people trying to sell their stuff or buy stuff that all the exchanges go down and you don't want that. So having a sell-off plan, sorry, protects you against that. And, you know, that looks like, okay, maybe you should just pick price points of, you know what, when Bitcoin reaches $100,000, I'm going to sell 25%. And then when it reaches $120,000, I'm going to sell another 20% and just gradually scale out of the market. Yeah, you're not going to pick the top. Like, no one can do that. If you do that, you get lucky. Congratulations. But, like, that's not a consistent game-winning strategy. Yeah, two final thoughts for me here. Um, You know, first of all, to echo your point, um, from where we are today to the end is not a straight line. And uh, I think part of when when the the, the friend of ours asked, hey, should I take this money and put it into the market? You know, part of my response was, hey, like I still need to be able to sleep at night. You know, and if if I've got a, a large chunk of money that I've just put into the market, whatever large means to any of us, I mean, you know, it's like you're checking it at, at 1130 before you go to bed and you wake up at four and 30 in the morning. And you're checking like that's not that is not a sustainable way to live life. Right. So the point is the volatility only gets harder, more severe. Uh, and you've got to be able to manage your own emotions and stress and energies. And it's not going to be a straight line. The second thing related to overtrading, uh, you know, if you knew that a rocket ship could take you to, you know, the moon or Mars or whatever. If you knew it would get there, you wouldn't fight over which seat on the rocket you had. 
And in one sense, that's kind of to me what the trading feels like, where everyone's trying to guess which part of the market's going to pump next. And I'm just like, stop it, right? Get like the, the mistake you make is is not being on the rocket. Yep. Get on the rocket, find your seat, and buckle up. Um, and so, you know, exactly. Don't don't be the don't be your own worst enemy there. And again, oftentimes in in, in financial decisions, we become our own worst enemy. Yeah, that's a good discussion. One. Sorry, one more thing I just thought of on on that note, like another thing that you can do to really um, help yourself during any stage of the market, but especially at the top, uh, is community. So like when things get volatile, community is really important. Like I I can think of a few, March 2020 was one of them. uh, And then there was another time, there was a huge sell-off this summer. uh, And I remember calling Brandon or Brandon called me and I don't remember, like, sometimes I call him and I'm like, hey, like, I need to talk this through. Like, this isn't fun. Um, but having that sense of community to to be able to talk to someone and kind of help hold each other accountable to keep a steady hand, steady mind. Like, okay, let's focus on the important things right here. Like, it keeps you from doing um, rash, like making rash decisions. Um, and it can really help keep you centered. And I have found that like, if I didn't have community, if I didn't have Brandon or like a number of other friends, um, family in my life that were doing crypto with me along the way, I'm not sure if I would still be in this market today because it's hard. Yeah, that's a good point. And obviously, you know, same, same to you. Uh, yeah, we've had some, we've had some interesting, interesting times over the last year to year and a half. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tee this up to say we've got a few things we're, we're building, working on that we actually think will be helpful, uh, both in how we DCA and understand how to take advantage of the bear market. More to come on that, more to come on building community in crypto. So stay tuned. Uh, we appreciate you listening, staying with us. Um, really excited about the net rest of this series. What our focus in this uh, Find My Crypto GPS series is really basically saying, how do we think about right now and what's coming based on where we are in the overall cycle? So again, thanks so much for tuning in. For Justin, I'm Brandon. No matter where you are, what you're doing, let's choose the path, less travel. We'll see you next time. For more information, check out our website at blazingcrypto.io. Additionally, if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.